Section 11 of A Chesterton Calendar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Deborah Lee. A Chesterton Calendar by G.K. Chesterton. November. November 1st, All Saints' Day. You cannot deny that it is perfectly possible that tomorrow morning, in Ireland or in Italy, there might appear a man not only as good, but good in exactly the same way as St. Francis of Assisi. Very well, now take the other types of human virtue, many of them splendid. The English gentleman of Elizabeth was chivalrous and idealistic. But can you stand still in this meadow and be an English gentleman of Elizabeth? The austere republican of the eighteenth century, with his stern patriotism and his simple life, was a fine fellow. But have you ever seen him? Have you ever seen an austere republican? Only a hundred years have passed, and that volcano of revolutionary truth and valor is as cold as the mountains of the moon. And so it will be with the ethics which are buzzing down Fleet Street at this instant as I speak. What phrase would inspire a London clerk or workman just now? Perhaps that he is a son of the British Empire on which the sun never sets. Perhaps that he is a prop of his trades union, or a class-conscious proletarian something or other. Perhaps merely that he is a gentleman, which he obviously is not. Those names and notions are all honorable. But how long will they last? Empires break. Industrial conditions change. The suburbs will not last forever. What will remain? I will tell you. The Catholic saint will remain. The Ball and the Cross November 2nd, All Souls' Day There are two things in which all men are manifestly and unmistakably equal. They are not equally clever, or equally muscular, or equally fat, as the sages of the modern reaction, with piercing insight, perceive. But this is a spiritual certainty, that all men are tragic. And this again is an equally sublime spiritual certainty, that all men are comic. Charles Dickens November 3rd You cannot love a thing without wanting to fight for it. Introduction to Nicholas Nickleby November 4th The modern philosopher had told me again and again that I was in the right place, and I had still felt depressed even in acquiescence. But I had heard that I was in the wrong place, and my soul sang for joy, like a bird in spring. The knowledge found out and illuminated forgotten chambers in the dark house of infancy. I knew now why grass had always seemed to me as queer as the green beard of a giant, and why I could feel homesick at home. Orthodoxy November 5th, Guy Fawkes Day Guy Fawkes Day is not only in some rude sense a festival, and in some rude sense a religious festival, it is also, what is supremely symbolic and important, a winter religious festival. Here, the 5th of November, which celebrates a paltry Christian quarrel, has a touch of the splendor of the 25th of December, which celebrates Christianity itself. Dickens and all the jolly English giants who write of the red firefly are grossly misunderstood in this matter, 
Prigs call them coarse and materialistic because they write about the punch and plum pudding of winter festivals. The prigs do not see that if these writers were really coarse and materialistic, they would not write about winter feasts at all. Mere materialists would write about summer and the sun. The whole point of winter pleasure is that it is a defiant pleasure, a pleasure armed and at bay. The whole point is in the fierce contrast between the fire and wine within and the roaring rains outside and some part of the sacredness of firelight we may allow to fireworks. Article in The Observer November 6. What we are looking at is not the boyhood of free thought. It is the old age and ultimate dissolution of free thought. It is vain for bishops and pious bigwigs to discuss what things will happen if wild skepticism runs its course. It has run its course. It is vain for eloquent atheists to talk of the great truths that will be revealed if once we see free thought begin. We have seen it end. It has no more questions to ask. It has questioned itself. You cannot call up any wilder vision than a city in which men ask themselves if they have any selves. You cannot fancy a more skeptical world than that in which men doubt if there is a world. Orthodoxy November 7th. A man ought to eat because he has a good appetite to satisfy, and emphatically not because he has a large frame to sustain. A man ought to take exercise not because he is too fat, but because he loves foils or horses or high mountains, and loves them for their own sake. And a man ought to marry because he has fallen in love, and emphatically not because the world requires to be populated. The food will really renovate his tissues as long as he is not thinking about his tissues. The exercise will really get him into training so long as he is not thinking about something else. And the marriage will really stand some chance of producing a generous-blooded generation if it had its origin in its own natural and generous excitement. It is the first law of health that our necessities should not be accepted as necessities. They should be accepted as luxuries. Let us, then, be careful about the small things such as a scratch or a slight illness or anything that can be managed with care. But in the name of all sanity, let us be careless about the important things, such as marriage or the fountain of our very life will fail. Heretics November 8th If there be any value in scaling the mountains, it is only that from them one can behold the plains. Daily News November ninth, Lord Mayor's Day. I pressed some little way farther through the throng of people and caught a glimpse of some things that are never seen in Fleet Street. I mean real green, which is like the grass in the glaring sun, and real blue that is like the burning sky in another quarter of the world, and real gold that is like fire that cannot be quenched, and real red that is like savage roses in the wine that is the blood of God nor was it a contemptible system of ideas that was supposed to be depicted by these colors of flags and shields and shining horsemen. It was at least supposed to be England which made us all. It was at least supposed to be London which made me and better men. I at least am not so made that I can make sport of such symbols. There in whatever ungainly procession, there on whatever ugly shields, there was the cross of St. George and the sword of St. Paul. 
even if all men should go utterly away from everything that is symbolized the last symbol will impress them if no one should be left in the world except a million open malefactors and one hypocrite that hypocrite will still remind them of holiness daily news november tenth old happiness is gray as we and we may still outstrip her if we be slippered pantaloons oh let us hunt the slipper the old world glows with colors clear and if as saith the saint the world is but a painted show oh let us lick the paint far far behind the morbid hours and lonely hearts that bleed far far behind us are the days when we were old indeed behold the simple sum of things where in one splendor spun the stars go round the mulberry bush the burning bush the sun graybeards at play november eleventh a man of a certain age may look into the eyes of his lady love to see that they are beautiful but no normal lady will allow that young man to look into her eyes to see whether they are beautiful the same variety and idiosyncrasy has been generally observed in gods praise them or leave them alone but do not look for them unless you know they are there do not look for them unless you want them all things considered november twelfth likelier across these flats afar these sulky levels smooth and free the drums shall crash a waltz of war and death shall dance with liberty likelier the barricades shall blare slaughter below and smoke above and death and hate and hell declare that men have found a thing to love the napoleon of notting hill november thirteenth everything is military in the sense that everything depends upon obedience there is no perfectly epicurean corner there is no perfectly irresponsible place everywhere men have made the way for us with sweat and submission we may fling ourselves into a hammock in a fit of divine carelessness but we are glad that the net maker did not make the net in a fit of divine carelessness we may jump upon a child's rocking horse for a joke but we are glad that the carpenter did not leave the legs of it unglued for a joke heretics november fourteenth i will ride upon the nightmare but she shall not ride on me daily news november fifteenth a great man of letters or any great artist is symbolic without knowing it the things he describes are types because they are truths shakespeare may or may not have ever put it to himself that richard the second was a philosophical symbol but all good criticism must necessarily see him so it may be a reasonable question whether an artist should be allegorical there can be no doubt among sane men that a critic should be allegorical introduction to great expectations november sixteenth when society is in rather a futile fuss about the subjection of women will no one say how much every man owes to the tyranny and privilege of women to the fact that they alone rule education until education becomes futile 
for a boy is only sent to be taught at school when it is too late to teach him anything. The real thing has been done already, and thank God it is nearly always done by women. Every man is womanized, merely by being born. They talk of the masculine woman, but every man is a feminized man. And if ever men walk to Westminster to protest against this female privilege, I shall not join their procession. Orthodoxy November 17th Seriousness is not a virtue. It would be a heresy, but a much more sensible heresy, to say that seriousness is a vice. It is really a natural trend or lapse into taking one's self gravely, because it is the easiest thing to do. It is much easier to write a good times-leading article than a good joke in punch, for solemnity flows out of men naturally, but laughter is a leap. It is easy to be heavy, hard to be light. Satan fell by the force of gravity. Orthodoxy November 18th Yes, you are right. I am afraid of him. Therefore I swear by God that I will seek out this man whom I fear until I find him and strike him on the mouth. If heaven were his throne and the earth his footstool, I swear that I would pull him down, because I am afraid of him, and no man should leave in the universe anything of which he is afraid. The Man Who Was Thursday November 19th Under all this vast illusion of the cosmopolitan planet, with its empires and its Reuters agency, the real life of man goes on concerned with this tree or that temple, with this harvest or that drinking song, totally uncomprehended, totally untouched. And it watches from its splendid parochialism, possibly with a smile of amusement, motor-car civilization going its triumphant way, outstripping time, consuming space, seeing all and seeing nothing, roaring on at last to the capture of the solar system, only to find the sun, Cockney, and the stars suburban. Heretics November 20th Every detail points to something, certainly, but generally to the wrong thing. Facts point in all directions, it seems to me, like the thousands of twigs on a tree. It is only the life of the tree that has unity and goes up, only the green blood that springs like a fountain at the stars. THE CLUB OF QUEER TRADES NOVEMBER 21ST Shallow romanticists go away in trains and stop in places called Hugmai in the Hole or Bumps on the Puddle. And all the time they could, if they liked, go and live at a place with the dim divine name of St. John's Wood. I have never been to St. John's Wood. I dare not. I should be afraid of the innumerable night of fir-trees, afraid to come upon a blood-red cup and the beating of the wings of the eagle. But all these things can be imagined by remaining reverently in the Harrow train. The Napoleon of Notting Hill November 22nd Giants, as in the wise old fairy tales, are vermin. Supermen, if not good men, are vermin. Heretics November 23rd 
It is part of that large and placid lie that the rationalists tell when they say that Christianity arose in ignorance and barbarism. Christianity arose in the thick of a brilliant and bustling cosmopolitan civilization. Long sea voyages were not so quick, but were quite as incessant as today, and though in the nature of things Christ had not many rich followers, it is not unnatural to suppose that he had some. And Joseph of Arimathea may easily have been a Roman citizen with a yacht that could visit Britain. The same fallacy is employed with the same partisan motive in the case of the Gospel of St. John, which critics say could not have been written by one of the first few Christians because of its Greek transcendentalism and its Platonic tone. I am no judge of the philology, but every human being is a divinely appointed judge of the philosophy, and the Platonic tone seems to me to prove nothing at all. Daily News November 24th Sometimes the best business of an age is to resist some alien invasion, sometimes to preach practical self-control in a world too self-indulgent and diffuse, sometimes to prevent the growth in the state of great new private enterprises that would poison or oppress it. Above all, it may happen that the highest task of a thinking citizen may be to do the exact opposite of the work the radicals had to do. It may be his highest duty to cling on to every scrap of the past that he can find, if he feels that the ground is giving way beneath him and sinking into mere savagery and forgetfulness of all human culture. Introduction to A Child's History of England November 25th Science in the modern world has many uses. Its chief use, however, is to provide long words to cover the errors of the rich. Heretics. November 26th. We talk of art as something artificial in comparison with life. But I sometimes fancy that the very highest art is more real than life itself. At least this is true, that in proportion as passions become real, they become poetical. The lover is always trying to be the poet. All real energy is an attempt at harmony and a high swing of rhythm and if we were only real enough, we should all talk in rhyme. However this may be, it is unquestionable in the case of great public affairs. Whenever you have real practical politics, you have poetical politics. Whenever men have succeeded in wars, they have sung war songs. Whenever you have the useful triumph, you also have the useless trophy. But the thing is more strongly apparent exactly where the great Fabian falls foul of it, in the open scenes of history and the actual operation of events, the things that actually did happen all over the world are precisely the things which he thinks could not have happened in Galilee, the artistic isolations, the dreadful dialogues in which each speaker was dramatic, the prophecies flung down like gauntlets, the high invocations of history, the marching and mounting excitement of the story, the pulverizing and appropriate repartees. These things do happen. They have happened. They are attested. In all the cases where the soul of man had become poetic in its very peril, at every one of its important moments, the most certain and solid history reads like an historical novel. Daily News November 27th Anyone could easily excuse the ill-humor of the poor, but the great masses of the poor have not even any ill-humor to be excused. 
their cheeriness is startling enough to be the foundation of a miracle play, and certainly is startling enough to be the foundation of a romance. Introduction to Christmas Stories November 28th Lo, I am come to autumn when all the leaves are gold. Gray hairs and golden leaves cry out, the years and I are old. In youth I sought the prince of men, captain in cosmic wars. Our titan even the weeds would show, defiant to the stars. But now a great thing in the street seems any human nod, where shift in strange democracy the million masks of God. In youth I sought the golden flower, hidden in wood or wold. But I am come to autumn when all the leaves are gold. The Wild Night November 29th There is a noble instinct for giving the right touch of beauty to common and necessary things. But the things that are so touched are the ancient things, the things that always, to some extent, commended themselves to the lover of beauty. The spirit of William Morris has not seized hold of the century and made its humblest necessities beautiful, and this was because, with all his healthiness and energy, he had not the supreme courage to face the ugliness of things. Beauty shrank from the beast, and the fairy tale had a different ending. Twelve Types November 30th, St. Andrew's Day I am quite certain that Scotland is a nation. I am quite certain that nationality is the key of Scotland. I am quite certain that all our success with Scotland has been due to the fact that we have in spirit treated it as a nation. I am quite certain that Ireland is a nation. I am quite certain that nationality is the key of Ireland. I am quite certain that all our failure in Ireland arose from the fact that we would not in spirit treat it as a nation. It would be difficult to find, even among the innumerable examples that exist, a stronger example of the immense superior importance of sentiment to what is called practicality than this case of the two sister nations. It is not that we have encouraged a Scotchman to be rich. It is not that we have encouraged a Scotchman to be active. It is not that we have encouraged a Scotchman to be free. It is that we have quite definitely encouraged a Scotchman to be Scotch. All Things Considered End of Section 11